Yesterday was Daf Tezayin, today is Daf Yud Zayin, and um, we are learning the Nishmas Moshe David Ben, Naftali Yosef Alevi, and Krayin Abbas Tvizev, and also we'll have in mind the Kedoshim from the Shoah, the Santa Rebbe, it's your side, it's today's your side. Okay. All right, let's get started. So, yesterday we started at the new parak and we learned in the new parak, the beginning of the Mishnah, that there were 13 different shayfrays, um which, were, which we saw in the Gemara were basically narrow on top, wide on the bottom, so you can't uh, help yourself to some money. I have no idea. You're asking the wrong person. I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. All right. Anyway, so um, there are 13 shayfrays and 13 tables in the base of Migdash and 13 times that they bow down in the base of Migdash. According to the house of Rabbi Gamliel and the house of Rabbi Hanan Yiskana Kayanim, there was an extra time because of the uh, um, because of the miracle that uh, they they realized that the uh, the by the Dira Eitzim where they have a tradition that that's where the Aaron was hidden. Um, okay. Anyway, so that's the story. Anyway, um, what happened was in the Beis Hamikdash that there was a story that the Kain uh, was uh, busy with the checking the wood, and he noticed one of the floor tiles was different than the rest, and he called his friend. And by the time they realized, um, he ended up dying, which was uh, to them proof that uh, this was not meant to be. You know, it was meant to stay hidden, but uh, they that their tradition with Aaron was buried. I have now, a yes. Sorry, why? Why the Irish there? Change the dialogue, bend, bend it in. Like, why did he have to kill something? I know it was meant to be established, blah, blah, blah. But I'm saying, like, why would you just flatten out? Or, like, you know, make it. Or he forgot it, or take his. Uh, it wasn't a. No, the point being is, is that, is that uh, you're supposed to know where it's buried, just not supposed to unbury it. So let him forget it. I'll let him forget it. Happened to okay. Yeah, right. Forgot. It could be he anyway deserved the Misa, that's all. I'm sure, that's what I'm saying. So okay. So ka. Yeah, you're asking Kasha and Mice. I know. That's right. Kasha and Mice. It's a good question. Okay. Anyway, bottom line is is that uh, the, we mentioned that the shepherds were bent, but they were narrow on top and wide on bottom, so that nobody could sneak money out of it. Now, um, there was a discussion regarding where did where was the Aaron buried, um, and uh, so basically, one version was is that uh, which is uh, which is obviously not like our Mishnah was that the Aaron went into Golas Bavel with Klal Yisrael. And there's a basuk to that effect that sort of indicates that. Um, calls the Klei Chemdas Beis Hashem, 
which is the Aaron. Now Rish Lakish says that it was buried in the Kodesh Gadashim, which is also not like our Mishnah. And he quotes a possibly that way that it never was seen outside. Never seen outside means it never left. So it's buried somewhere inside. Next we saw is um, um, is, Harp, is, the, is the explanation according to our Mishnah that it was where the where the Kayin, uh found it. Um, a few different uh, more details. He called his friend. Um, he bang, they banged with a hammer, and then the fire came out, and that's how he died. Okay. Um, there's an interesting shot from Rabbi Yudah bin Lakish who says that uh, there were two Arainas. So, uh, you know, that's like uh, explains a lot of, you know, a lot of disparities in the text when you're dealing with more than one Aran. One held the Shivrei Luchais, one held the Luchais themselves. And um, basically, one stayed in Al Mayed, never left, and the other one that went out to battle was the one that had contained the Shivrei Luchais. Um, and uh, that, that is Shitas Rabbi Yudah ben Lakish. Uh, the Rabbanon brought down that it was only one Aaron and, um, and it was, they took it out one time and it ended up getting captured at that one time. Psukim, do support the, the Rabbanon's position that there was only one Aaron. Who's going to save us? Mi'ad Halakim Adirim Something that we never have seen. So it sounds like Darwin was not something that was out in battle. If they would, took it out wherever they went, it would have been seen. And the Pasuk um, that supports Rabbi Yudah ben Lakish, because it says, bring the Aaron Elokim, and the Aaron was in Kirsi Aaron. It's a little strange. Obviously, there's more than one Aaron, fits very nicely. Now, the Gemara will explain what is the other Pshat, how did the Rabbanon explain the bring the Aaron? So it's the Aaron that is a little chest that held the tzitz in it. And that's what it meant by Aaron. Another Pasuk also supporting Rabbi Yudah ben Lakish, the Aaron, Yisrael and Yehuda were sitting in Tzukais. Now how could that be sitting in Tzukais if they're sitting in, in uh, Tzion? The answer is um, that these two are Rainais. I would explain it. However, how did the Rabbanon deal with that? They say what it means in Tzukais is not in the city of Tzukais, but in a place that is in a temporary structure that's not permanent. And meaning, even though he was already in, uh, it was uh, not in its, uh, the, the, at that juncture, they had not yet built the base of Mikdash. Now, once the armor was hidden, um, what was hidden together with it was the jug of the anointing oil and the staff of Aaron. And also the chest, the uh, with the holding uh, that the, from the gift of the Plishtim. Um Now, who hid the Aaron? It was King Yoshiyahu, based on the based on his reading of the of the Sefer Tvarim, where it says that um, that they should bring uh realized that the exile is imminent. And therefore, he went and hid it away that it shouldn't go down, and that's what is indicated in the text that that's what he's saying. Keep put the Aaron Hakodesh, Babayis Hashem Banashloima, and David Melech Yisrael, and Ein Lochem Masa Bekotev, which means do not carry this out, um, because if it's going to be taken out to Golis, it's not going to make its way back so quickly. 
Next we saw, okay, next we got into the topic of the Epitome of the Shem and Amishcha, and we said that there were 1,500 uh, money of uh, spices that was used in the, in the production, and only 12 hin, I mean 12, I mean one hin of oil, which is 12 lug of oil. It's not that much oil. And, um, and they would cook, according to Rameir, they actually cooked it in, in the oil, and the oil got infused with the, um, with the smell, with the aroma of those spices. And that's what the Shemana Mishka was. That sheet is Rameir. Review this says, they used to boil it, they boiled it, the, these spices in water, put the oil on top, and that was, and the oil it got infused with the steam, from the steam of the, um, of, of the spices, and that's how it got infused, and then they, afterwards they just, um, they siphoned off the oil, and that was um, Shitas Rebbe Yehuda. Now, um, we did see uh, that uh, Rabbi Yudah Berloi says that the Shemana Mishcha that Moshe Rabbeinu made in the Midbar was full of Mais and Nisim from beginning until the end, because uh, if you do the math, two, 12 log is not that much, 1,500 mana of spices is a lot. Just to coat those spices would take a lot more than 12 log. And uh, not only that, um, it would get absorbed. Can you imagine how much oil should normally get absorbed in, from the fire? Um, from the wood, from the um, from the vat, um, and uh, they used it to anoint the mishkan, all the kalim, the shokan, all of its kalim, the menorah, all of its kalim, and they Aaron, Akayin, Gadol, and all of his sons, all seven days of milon, and also they all can in future, and and any melech who was not a melech but melech was also all anointed from the same oil. Um, uh, the only one who did it was a Melech ben Melech, and that's based on a pasuk of Kumashchiu ki zehu. This one needs Mashiach, not um, uh, his son. Anyway, so but a Kain Gadol ben Kain Gadol was always anointed, even ten generations later, even though his father's father's fathers all that all up the line were Kain Gadolim. It's still always they always need to be anointed. But anyway. Um, and yet, all of the same oil from the anointing oil was, is all kaimlas laboy, as the Apostle says, Shemin Mishchus HaKodesh, Yiye Zeh Lila Dereisechem, Dereisechem, Zez Gematria 12. Okay. So obviously, it was quite miraculous, never got used up. Okay, next thing we said is that uh, this din on the kings, that they don't get anointed on top of a, only on top of a spring, uh, once we talk about anointing, and that's based on the pasuk where David said that they should take Shlaima on his on his special mule and bring him down to the the Gihon Spring and anoint him the Tzadik Hakayin and Asar Navi should anoint him to be Melech Al Yisrael. Now uh, we learned that a Melech by Melech really should not need uh, anointing. Shlaima was a Melech by Melech, but because it was Machlekes, that's why Shlaima needed to get anointed. It was the Shlomo needed to get anointed because Adinio claimed to be king. It was his brother, older brother. Yayash um, also needed to be anointed because of Atalio, his grandmother. Yoachaz Yoachaz needed to be anointed because Yoachim has his older brother um, by two years and he was being anointed before his elder brother. Yeyu because of Yairam. So the Gemara says, wait a second, Yehu, because of Yerim, doesn't the Pazuk say, only Malchi Yehuda get anointed, not Malchi Yisrael? So the Gemara says, you're right. 
Yoachas ben Yoachim, only him because he was uh, the younger brother and he was Malchi Yehuda. Um, the Gemara says, but what do you mean? That's after Yoshio. King Yoshio was the father, so he was obviously buried in a away already. There was no longer any Shemana Mishcha. So the Gemara says, you're right. They didn't re- use the real oil, they just used regular uh, afarsaman oil, which is you know, uh, nice oil, nice smelling oil, but it's not the actual primary oil. And they, it was just like a zecher, and it could be the pshat with Yehu and um, um, Yoram, the same thing. Who are not Malchi Yehuda. Next, we said is that we don't anoint kings except from a Karen, and that's because it just bodes better. Um, uh, and that's what we say. Shol and Yehu are Nimshach Minapach, and their Malchus did not last. And their Malchus did remain. We don't. Another interesting halacha that's brought down here, they, you know, we're all familiar with it, but here's where it brings down the source that Kahanim and Levim, for that matter, should not be anointed as kings. Uh, so the question is why? So the first shot we said is that it's uh, based on the Pasuk of Luyasu Shevim Yehuda. So that's uh, um, one explanation. Um, it's a little bit problematic. Uh, because it doesn't really single out Kahanim and Levim as, as specifically not. But there's another pasuk that says um, uh, that says and it says So the, the connection over there is that Kahanim and Levim should not be anointed as kings. Now, um, we mentioned the sons of Yoshio who were kings, um, and uh, we have here a little bit of a confusion in terms of the names. So, what the person, the son named Yochanan, was also was really also called Yoachas. Ah, it says Habchor Yochanan, and we already said that Yoachas was not the first, was not the oldest, because his brother Yoachim was two years older than him. So, the reason why he's called Bechor is because he was the Bechor Lamalchas. He was the first one of the sons to become king. Next, we saw is. Rabbi Yechanan says, "Who Shalom, who Tzidkiyahu, that Shalom and Tzidkiyahu was one and the same person. Problem is, it says the third son was Tzidkiyahu, and the fourth son was Shalom. How can it be fourth son that is a different person? It's the same, it's the same person. The answer is, no, he was the third son, born son. He was the fourth to become king, and that's because he became king after his nephew. Because the order of the kings was Yoachas, then came Yoachim, his older brother, became king after him. And then after him came Yechania. And after Yechania um, came Tzidkiyo, his uncle. Okay? And he was called Tzidkiyo because he, was the, he accepted upon the justice of Hashem. And Shalom he was called because um, that was the time when the Malchus was finished. And his true name was neither, but rather Matanya. And that's what the Apostle says. But that uh, that uh, the king of Babel chose him, Matanya, the uncle of Yechania, to be king instead of him, and he called his name Tzidkiyahu. We'll see a little bit more about this this event today's daf. Next thing we talked about is the size of the Aaron. So we saw two versions. First was Rabbi Yechran, who was going with Romer's opinion that the Amma that was used to measure, that, that, to build the Aaron, was, was a six-tefach Amma, and that's Rameir Shita, who's the Amma Beninis. 
and um, and uh, and uh, and as opposed to Rebudu, who says that the old kalim were in a five tefach Um So one it was uh, so if you go through the dimensions, so we know that it was two and a half long the aron by one and a half wide. So if you do the the math, two and a half makes it fifteen amas. Um, um, and that's twelve. That's twelve. Six. Each am is six tvachim. So that's twelve tvachim. I'm saying, sorry, twelve tvachim. Six plus six plus um, a half an amma, which is three. So that's six, six, and three is fifteen. There are four luchos placed there. The luchos were six tvachim tall. Okay. So you they are lining them up, and um, and they were, you're placing four in the box. So it's you're moving. You're going. Um, lengthwise, instead of six, it's going to be six, and then another six, that's twelve. And um, then there was another half a tefach that went in on either side, so you lose a tefach. So instead of three tefachim to spare, you have two tefachim. And in the space of the two tefachim, that's where the Sefer Torah was placed. Um, as far as the width goes, the width was nine tefachim, because that was an amma and a half. So um, an amma is six tefachim, and half is three, another three, so you got nine. We also lost um, there are four luchos. The there were, the total was six because they're piled up. So that's six wide. You got itself an extra three. You lost one between the walls, and then um, you have a little bit of space. And that space was just so you could maneuver, move things around, and that is uh, the way it worked according to according to Rebbeir, according to Rabbi Yechran. and Rebbeir both say it that was the same way. Um, next thing we saw is um, the Rishlakish held that it was the Amma Baskamisha Tvachim, Nalag Rabbi Yechran, which is Rabbi Huda Shita. And, um, and uh, do the math now. So the grand length was two and a half Amas. Two and a half Amas is five plus five, that's ten, plus another two and a half, so twelve and a half. You put six, it's twelve. Plus another half a, a, a half a, a half an am, half a tefach to spare of space. That half a tefach, there was a finger on either side of the thickness. In other words, according to this shita, the actual thickness of the walls was a lot thinner, and it was only a finger's width on either side. And you have two, uh, basically, you know, two fingers to spare of space that you could maneuver. Plus. The other way was a grand total of seven and a half. Their their width was their width was six, so you got six, and then another um, subtract the, the finger on either side, and you had one and a half on that side. So you got a little bit more room in the width, and that was the way you would be able to maneuver to be able to get things in and out. And that is, and according to this version, the sefer was not placed inside the aron itself. Okay. And uh, basically, um, um, we saw two versions of Machlokas of how the Aron was made, according to Reb Hanina. Um, it was three boxes, a wooden box that had a gold box on the inside and a gold box on the outside. And it was completely covered. The, cover, the extra line of Titzapenu was that the inner box had a lip on it that it would be able to stick over the uh, the wood so that none of the wood is showing and that's what it means by titzapenu and that's shitas rabchanin ben gamliel we saw rabshem ben lakish held that actually um, it was uh, it was just it was it was actually coated in gold 
that's it. It was like each one just had a little gold coating on the board, and each board was coated in gold and then attached after it was coated in gold. So, um, and that was the, that's the opinion of Rish Lakish, and that's why Rish Lakish held that it could be thinner, because it's obviously to be a standalone box, you need a lot thicker gold than um, if it's merely a coating, and that, was the, and that explains that, that little detail. Okay, next we saw who um, was um, the uh, what was written on the luchos. So the first most most famous opinions were Bchinin ben Gamliel that it was five uh, dibros on the first luach and five on the second luach. Then we saw the rabbanon say that it was ten on each of the luchos. Then we saw the opinion that it was twenty on each of the luchos, meaning it was repeated. And then we saw that it was 40, because it was front and back as well. Anyway, so uh, on each of the luchais. Um, so that's the, the, the other opinion. Okay, so you have Reb Shem said that it was 20 on each of them. And it was Reb Simoy who said it was 40 on each of them. And uh, uh, basically, it sounds like it, was, it fronted all four sides, something like that. According to Reb Hananya, the son of the brother of Yeshua, he said that in each of the Debrois, in between, they were written in big, and then there was all the details of those halachos were written inside as well. Um, and that's what it means in the Pasuk, and Reish Lakish says it fits very nicely to the understanding if you ever go to the ocean. When you go to the ocean, you have these big waves, and in between the big waves are like these little baby waves. So those little baby waves is the same idea, like the major dibra, and then uh, and then explaining explaining it and details of it as is being put in in between. Um, there is a kasha the Gemara brought down um, uh, according to Rameyer because uh, the pasuk says lokocha sefer Torah zeh v'samtem also mitzad harom bris Hashem. Sounds like it was on the side, not inside. Okay. And, um, and that's, uh, it was placed in some type of box that was made on the outside of the, of the Aron. And that's where they put the Sefer Torah, small gluska, uh, gluskaya. I translated it not as a box, as, a, as like a, a container, a satchel or something. Uh, Anyway, not sure what a gluska. What? A loaf of bread, right. But a gluska could mean like... A box. What? Bread box. Right, it could be. Okay. There is a puzzle that does support Rabbi Meir's understanding as well, because it says, V'nasatis kapoyres ala aron milmala, ve'el ha'aron titinus Even though it's out of order, but in muktamuch b'toyra, and that's where it was placed. Um, then we saw also that uh, we um, the we mentioned Rapinchas the name of Shimon Lakish that the Torah was given to Moshe. It was fire, a white fire, engraved in black fire. It was a mixed fire in a hewn out fire from from fire, and uh, it was uh, as the pasuk says also Miminoi Esh Dos Lamo. It's a it's a Torah of fire. What this exactly means is a. Oh, I'm not really clear on that, but uh, anyway, that is the that's the story. It brings down here in the Taklim Charetin that the word um, das uh, lamo, esh das lamo, 
if you do the math, if you take the letters of Das Lamo, it's Oisiyah's Talmud, which is uh, the, the Talmud, the Gemara that we have, which is a very interesting pshat. H. Das Lamo. I don't know. Anyway, I thought that was a cool, cool one. And that is as far as we got to yesterday, and we'll